Hello, Victory. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4.15 that we have not many fathers. And what he's saying is there are many males in the world, but not many men. And there are a lot of dads, but not many fathers. Well, today we have the honor of hearing the heart of a truly remarkable father of faith, my friend, Pastor James Meeks. Pastor James is the founder and the senior pastor of Salem Baptist Church in Chicago. Uh, in 2005, he led Salem in the building of the House of Hope, an absolutely amazing 10,000 seat sanctuary and worship center on the south side of Chicago. I've been there, it's amazing. Uh, throughout his life, Pastor James has served the needs of others, whether through being an Illinois state senator, organizing community events in Chicago, and especially from the pulpit, making decisions disciples of Jesus. He's an author, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. He's also a spiritual father to many, including me. He, alongside Pastor Dennis, he's one of my personal overseers, and he's here today to share his dear church letter with us. So please help me welcome my friend and the friend of victory, Pastor James Meeks. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. You may have your seat. Thank you so much, Pastor Johnson Bowie, for the invitation. He and Summer are my uh, favorites. Johnson and I are in a class together. We're studying our masters. And uh, I have one all against him. He won't let me sit next to him in class so that I could look on his paper. <laughs> and so I have that all against him. Let me say, first of all, that I'm not by myself. Uh, my wife of 42 years is with me. <laughs> Honey, will you stand? At the first service, she had a mask on, so they couldn't see how fine she was. <laughs> And I'm glad that she was able to be maskless in this service. We were together for five years before we got married, so that means we've been together 47 years. Now, now, if you talk to her after church, she's going to tell you that she was five when we got married. But uh, God has brought us, God has kept us, and we're so glad uh, to be here with you all. Let me say that Paul said in Romans chapter 1 to the church at Rome, he says, your faith has been spoken of throughout the whole world. And let me say victory to all of our campuses, to uh, Hamilton and Midtown. Let me say to all of you that your example of being a multicultural, multiracial church is spoken of throughout the whole world. And we thank God. Amen. There are not many people that are getting it right. Victory is getting it right. Y'all got something special going on here that the whole world needs to see. And then, that's right. Remind me to give you that $5 after. <laughs> And then let me say to, all right, you need five too. <laughs> 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 
Then let me say to Pastor Dennis and uh, his lovely wife, Sister Colleen, thank you for all that you do and all that you've done for the body of Christ. Thank you so much. This uh, great man of God who built this great work and uh, who ha has labored down through the years. I've heard of him, didn't have a chance to meet him. We met this morning. I can't wait to spend more time with him. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you now for the chance to share your word. You're an awesome God, and we love you. We pray now that you would pour out on your people. You know what we need to hear, and so you know how to say it. Do everything for your glory is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Two passages of scripture, both of them come from, I preach from easy books in the Bible to find. The book, this book is Revelation. <laughs> if you have problems finding Revelation, something's not right with your Christianity. <laughs> Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. It says, and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, watch this, which are the prayers of the saints. I want to talk about the precious prayers of the church. The precious prayers of the church. And I need you to do me a little interactive favor. I need you to turn to the person next to you and tell them your prayers are precious to God. Amen. Amen. You don't know how mighty you are. You don't know how much God has invested in you. When God has given us the power to pray, when God has invited us to come boldly to the throne, all I'm here today is to try to do is to let you know that your prayers are powerful and precious to God. Now, and as a matter of fact, I don't mind amen. When I'm preaching, I don't mind amen. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> if there is one thing that the devil does not want the church to do, if there's one thing that the devil wants to hide from you, the devil wants to hide from you how precious your prayers are to God. The devil never wants you or I to know how much our prayers really mean to God. And the devil don't want you to know. You, you may not think much of yourself. You, you may not think that you have much power but the devil never wants you to know how damaging your prayers are to him. If the devil can keep the church from doing one thing, if the devil can keep you from one activity, I believe that that one activity would be prayer. Amen. Let me say this. 
Prayer has nothing to do with how worthy you are. I know some of you say, I don't pray. I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. Uh, that's good. That's really a time to pray. Doesn't have anything to do with our worth. Now, the devil don't care how much you tweet. And the devil don't care how much you twerk. The devil doesn't care how much you post. The devil doesn't care how much you blog. The devil doesn't want you to pray. Doesn't want you to pray. The devil doesn't care how long you spend on Facebook as long as your face is not in this book. Be careful. How many of you are on, on, on Facebook? Let me just be honest, be honest, be honest. All right, be careful now, be careful now. We, we always run to look to see how many likes our posts get, how, how many people responded to our posts. Every day of my life, I'm interested in one like. That's all I need. That's all I need. When Jesus was being baptized, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everybody else, back up. <laughs> Satan doesn't want us to pray. Ask me why. why? I said, ask me why. why. Because prayer takes stuff out of our hands and puts them into God's hands. The song where the friend we have in Jesus says, oh, what peace we often forfeit, and oh, what needless pains we bear. Does anybody know the rest of the song? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When you pray, it takes stuff out of your hand. It puts things into God's hand. Prayer says that you and I have faith in somebody bigger than ourselves. Prayer says that we are no longer trusting in ourselves because that's, that's what the goal of the devil really is, to make you trust in yourself, and you know that yourself ain't nothing to trust in. <laughs> Prayer says that we're no longer trusting in ourselves, but we're trusting in somebody else. Prayer says that we're no longer leaning to our own understanding. That's what the Proverbs tells us. Trust in the Lord with all your and lean not to your own. In all your ways acknowledge and he will. Amen. You see, prayer says I'm acknowledging him. Prayer says I'm trusting him. Prayer says I'm counting on him. Prayer to the devil must sound like, sound like metal scraping on cement. Are you with me here? The book of James says, I like that book too because I like that name. <laughs> the book of James says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person availeth much. That simply means that your prayers can do a whole lot of damage. So, oh, this is hard to say. If I were the devil, that's why it's hard to say. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to pray either. I wouldn't mind you doing anything else. I, I, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't mind you doing anything else. I would not want you to pray. You know by now that the whole church 
is built upon the fact, don't miss this now, that you and I are a group of people who are capable of receiving a non-flesh and blood revelation. Did you hear what I said? We are a group of people who are capable of receiving a non-flesh and blood revelation. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you know the answer. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. He said, who do you say I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And listen to Jesus' response in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but who? My Father which is in heaven. Listen, y'all, listen, listen. We can hear from God. Amen. You and I, not only can we hear from God, we can talk to God. Isn't that something? We're mere creatures, but God has given us the privilege of being able to talk to him. And I often say that after I've had my prayer time every morning at 6 o'clock, I have my prayer time every morning from 6 until 7. After I've talked to God, I've talked to the most important person I'm going to talk to the whole day. This is what separates the church from other groups on the face of the earth. Now, I know there are a lot of groups out here. I know there's a lot of clubs, a lot of people. But what separates us from any other group of people is that we can hear from God and we can talk to God. There is another thing. There's something else that prayer can do, and I'm afraid to teach this to you. But we can actually bind things and we can actually loose things. Amen. We can bind the things that bother us, and we can loose the things that bring us peace. Jesus said it himself. He said it himself. Whatsoever you bind on earth, heaven will back you up, will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, Pastor Meeks, why are you afraid to teach us that? Because I know that some of you are going to leave here and you're going to look at your kid and say, I bind you. In the name of Jesus. I think that the church is not using our authority that heaven has given us. I think that the reason we have so much strife in our land today so much problem, so many problems about politics, so many racial problems, is because the church has not joined together as one man, as one woman, and started binding and loosening some of these demons that are in our land today. Now, I want you to do something, and I want you to be arrogant with it. I want you to be arrogant with it. I want you to play with it. I don't want you to mumble it under your voice. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I could talk to God. I talk to God. Amen. Amen. We can talk to God. One of the most important activities in the life of a church one of the most important activities in the life of a believer 
is our ability to talk to God because our prayers are precious to God and our prayers can do much damage to the devil. The year was 1974. How many of you were not born in 1974? All right, that's the year I went to college. All right, so I feel like an old timer. The year was 1974. Pastor Dennis, I was preparing to go to college. I was preparing to go to college. So I needed a copy of my birth certificate to prove my age. You do know that you just can't show up in college and say you're a certain age. They need a document to prove that you are that age. So I didn't know where my birth certificate was. I had to go to my mother and ask my mother, where is my birth certificate? And she told me that I would find uh, my birth certificate in her top drawer. When I went to my mother's top drawer, I had no idea that an hour and a half later, <laughs> I would still be in that drawer. <laughs> in my mother's top drawer, along with my birth certificate that I found right away, in my mother's top drawer, Sister Colleen, there was a a card that I had made for her in first grade. And the card said, happy, H-A-P-Y, <laughs> one P, happy Mother's Day. Then I found a tissue paper, a, a flower that I had made in second grade that said, Mary, M-A-R-Y, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Now, before you laugh at that, Mary did have something to do with Christmas. <laughs> you gotta cut me some slack. I did say I was in the second grade. I found a program booklet, a program booklet from a play that our third grade class had performed. Our third grade class had performed a play called The Three Billy Goats Gruff. And my name was listed. My name was in the program because I was one of the trolls that sat under the bridge. <laughs> and I still remember my speech. I, I still remember my speech from the third grade. A and you want to hear it? Yeah. You're going to hear it. <laughs> as long as it took me to memorize that speech, you are going to hear it. My speech was, I sat under the bridge, and, and when people walked across the bridge, my speech was, I'm a troll, foldy roll, and I'm going to eat you for my supper. Now, don't ask me what it means. <laughs> but that was my speech. I, I found in my mother's top drawer a certificate that our school had given away. I was in the eighth grade by this time. I had been awarded the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Award in my school at eighth grade, and my mother had that certificate in her drawer. I, I saw a letter. Nobody, I don't want nobody to laugh. I saw a letter that had come to our home when I was a freshman in high school, a saying that I had made the high school basketball team. I, I said, don't laugh. There used to be a time that there was a place for short guys on the basketball team. Now you have to be a giant just to apply. 
Victory, it was a drawer full of stuff. Crepe paper, Easter cards, stuff written in crayons, nothing spelled right. Really, it was a drawer full of junk. It was a drawer full of trash. It was a drawer full of what looked like to me garbage that was worth nothing to nobody, but it was a drawer precious to my mother. How many of you have ever prayed before? If you pray, raise your hand. Tell the person next to you, I pray. I, pray. I know they're surprised. <laughs> How many of you have a prayer up before God right now? You have something that you're waiting on God to do. I mean, all right, all right, all right. Grant it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We've prayed prayers that we've forgotten. We've prayed prayers that we think God has forgotten. We've prayed prayers and we think they were lost in space. Sometimes, I don't know about you, you're more spiritual than I am, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, it's as if the devil is standing there telling me that prayer never left this room. Now I'm waiting for the prayer to get up to heaven and the devil is saying, that ain't even leave this room. I want to show you in the next uh, two hours that I have left. <laughs> I want to show you, Victory, how precious your prayers are to God. I want to show you exactly what God does with your prayers. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Let me read a little more of that verse. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Where are, that's what we're looking for, not Waldo, your prayers. Where are your prayers? Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with what? The prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, uh, which was before the throne. H how many people does all include? Th that means you, right? It says the prayers of all saints. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 again. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are what? Prayers. The prayers of the saints. The writer of the book of Revelation is John. This is the same John that was a disciple, Peter, James, and John, St. John. John uh, calls himself in the Gospel of St. John the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, don't nobody else in the Bible call John the disciple that Jesus loves. John is the only one that calls himself the disciple 
that Jesus loved. I like that about John because you better know that Jesus loves you. Other people may not think much about you. Other people may not care about you. Uh, Pastor just said it. He left heaven and came to earth. Jesus loves you. I want to bother you one more time, and I won't bother you no more, but I want you to be arrogant about it now. I want you to look at somebody in the eye and tell them, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he feel about you. <laughs> I don't know what you and Jesus got going on. That ain't my business. But I know that Jesus loves me. Amen. John is the last disciple to be alive. All the other disciples have been killed now, and John is the only one left. He has a special mission. John has to write about future events. He has to write about things that hadn't happened yet. He has to write about things to come. And John said that he saw... Uh, a seal. He saw seven seals. And when the last one was open, there was an angel standing at the altar with a vow full of incense. Now, Pastor Dennis is here. Pastor Bowie is here. So you just look straight. But some of y'all know what incense is. Just look this way, just look this way. He saw a vial full of incense, nice smells, sweet odors. And John said that the odors were the prayers of the saints. Victory. Our prayers are not lost. Our prayers, your prayers are not forgotten. Your prayers are not junk, just like the stuff in my mother's top drawer, your prayers are precious to God. And every prayer that you've ever prayed and every prayer that you will ever pray, God keeps those prayers before him at his throne. All right, Pastor Meeks, that's who I am. That's what I call myself. What does God do with our prayers? That, 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 that's what you should want to know. If they're at the throne, what does God do when we pray? Well, here it is. Some of our prayers, some of our prayers, God answers right away. Amen? Amen. Don't you like those kind of prayers? Amen. Anybody here ever prayed and God answered your prayer right away? Amen. Amen. Uh, well, let me show you in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter 38. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 38. Let me give you an example of this one, how it works. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Isaiah, you don't really have to come to my house. You could just text me. You could, he, he could have texted me that. <laughs> But he came to Hezekiah's house, and he told him that he was getting ready to die. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and what did he do? And prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember me now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth 
and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, Go, say to Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. That's worth a hand clap. Come on, give it up. Good God Almighty. He prayed and God added 15 years to his life. What would have happened if Hezekiah hadn't prayed? Watch this. There's some of you who are waiting for things, some of you wishing for stuff, hoping for stuff. We have not because we ask not. Amen. We have not because we ask not. Now, these are the kind of prayers we like. Amen. We like it when we pray and we ask God for things and God just gives us stuff right away. You and I don't have no trouble with this kind of praying. Amen. Now, I don't know how to put you in the instant line. <laughs> Neither did I come equipped to put you in the yes line. All I know is, I don't know how he does it. All I know is that there are some prayers that we pray and when we get through praying them, God answers that prayer right away. Amen. I had a prayer this year when, when the year started. And on January 1st, I prayed that one day I'd be able to preach at victory. <laughs> and look at me now. There's some of our prayers, friends, that God answers right away. So the devil don't want you to pray. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to find a personal time in your day, every day. Don't be too busy to pray. Don't be too busy to spend five minutes, ten minutes. A short prayer is better than no prayer. Amen. Amen. Lord, help me. Lord, see me through. It's better than no prayer. Remember me. Amen. You, look, look, that prayer could get you into heaven. That prayer, that prayer right there could get you into heaven. Jesus was on the cross. Another man was on the cross. Another man was on the cross. And one, one thief was talking about everybody and saying, if you, Jesus, save all us. The other man standing there saying, oh, he was hanging there. He hung in there. And he said, that's where the expression hang on in there comes from. <laughs> he was hanging there and he said to Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, Two words, remember me. Yeah. That's all. God can hook your whole day up with a two-word prayer. Yeah. Amen. So, so, so there are some prayers that God answers right away. Just, t just nudge the person next to you and say, you better pray. <laughs> Victory. Our prayers are precious to God. Our prayers, every prayer that we've ever prayed, every prayer that you will ever pray, is before his throne right now. For some of us, we have not received the answer because of timing. Yeah. 
Some of you, I, I asked you, how many of you have a prayer up before God? You raised your hand. You haven't received an answer yet because of timing. Let me hear you say timing. 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 Uh, Pastor Dennis, the year was 1985 when we started our, our church. We, we started our church, but we didn't have a building. We didn't have a building. We had 154 members, but no building. It's hard to have church with no building. Now, thank God, thank God. Don't tell them I said this last week was our first in-person worship since the pandemic, and I was so afraid that people were not going to come back to church because everybody's been saying people ain't coming back to church. And we had our first worship service last week, and we had 6,000 people in worship. In 85, we didn't have a building. All right. And so we started praying and asking God for a particular building in a particular part of town because that's the area that we wanted to serve in. We wanted to serve in that part of town. Uh, we rented a daycare center so that we can have service in the daycare center. Uh, no children were in there while we were in there. And, <laughs> and everywhere we turned, every time we prayed, we got no answer. Five years later, June of 1990, uh, a Catholic church moved out of the neighborhood that we had been praying to move into. They had a church building, they had a school, they had a rectory, and we were the first and only group of people to bid on that property, and it cost the exact amount that we had in the bank. We started praying in 1985. The property was not ready until 1990. Sometimes the thing that you're praying for is not ready yet. Let me hear you say timing. Sometimes you're not ready for the thing that you're praying for. Amen. Sometimes what ain't ready is you. Some of you are praying to get married. And God sent me by to talk to you for a few minutes. <laughs> you praying, asking God to send you somebody. God, I need somebody. Everybody I see is in pairs. I go to the restaurant. They got two chairs. And they don't have no single chairs. They just got two chairs. It, it, it reminds me. It reminds me that I ain't got nobody. Uh, I bought a pack of masks the other day. There's two masks in there. Somebody else to be with the man. I saw some roaches the other day. It was two of them. They were together. <laughs> this is what I'm here to tell you. Some of you have not healed from the last relationship. Some of you are still carrying the pain and the scars around from the last relationship. God is not answering your prayer because God is trying to heal your heart so that you can be ready. Are y'all with me here? God is trying to heal your heart to make sure that you are okay before you go into another relationship. Some of y'all, you don't get along with you. You're trying to get married. You don't even get along with you. You argue with you all the time. 
Should I go to Papa Dole? No, I think I'm going to go to Red Lobster. I think I'm going to Red Lobster. I'm going. Should I go upstairs and uh, get in the bed? No, I ain't going upstairs. I'm going to go look at TV. I'm going to go down there and look at TV. Should I watch a scary movie? No, I ain't going to watch a scary movie, because last time I watched a scary movie, I couldn't get to sleep at night. Uh, should we go outside? No, it's too cold out there. I'm not going outside. I'm going to come back inside. Some of us don't get along with ourselves. And then we're trying to bring somebody else into that. In order to get married, you got to feel good about you. And listen, oh, God just told me to say this. You got to be whole before you get married because you can't be looking for another person to make you whole. Are you with me here? How many of you all are married? Anybody here married? All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, married people will tell you now, marriage is hard work. Marriage is hard work. Marriage is hard work. The only person I know who don't have to work hard at marriage is that woman sitting right there. <laughs> but marriage is hard work. It's not that God is being mean. It's not that God is being unfair because timing. You, 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 you're not ready yet. And so God has to wait sometimes until we're ready. Let me hear you say timing. timing. There's some of us who are praying for things and our finances ain't ready yet. Some of us are praying for a house in, what is this, Nacross? Is this Nacross? No. <laughs> what is it, what is it called? North Cross? Some of us are praying, praying, praying for a house around here. <laughs> Some of us are praying for a condo, but our finances are not ready yet. Watch this now. Some of us are praying for stuff, and we're not ready for the stress that the stuff will bring us. Uh, so my intro, Pastor Bowie told you that I was in the state senate for uh, 10 years. I was actually a state senator for 10 years. And uh, I woke up one morning, and the headline of our paper had a mayoral poll, the poll for who could run for mayor of the city of Chicago. Y'all, my name was at the top of the poll that I could run, that people wanted me to run for mayor. So I decided to do it. <laughs> I got in the mayor's race for 40 days. Look, after 40 days, it's time to get out the ark, you know. I got in the mayor's race for 40 days. I decided, look, this ain't for me. Can I tell you? You can't tell nobody in Chicago. Now, you can't tell them. Can I tell you I'm so glad I ain't the mayor of the city of Chicago? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Woo! If God had answered that prayer when I got to heaven, me and him would have had it out. <laughs> I didn't have no clue that what I was even asking God for. I was not ready for the stress. Do you know that in Chicago last weekend, 100 people got shot? And everybody was running to the mayor. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? You know what I did? Ran to the mayor. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? <laughs> there are some things, friends, that God has to say to you and I, I love you too much to put you in that situation. So, our prayers are precious to God. 
Our prayers are before God right now. Your prayers, they are a sweet odor coming up before God into his nostrils. Sometimes the answer is yes. We get things right away. Sometimes the answer is timing. It's not time for the prayer. What do you think the last answer is? We used, to, we used to say that all the time. We used to say that sometimes God answers yes, sometimes God answers not yet, and then sometimes God answers no. I want to revise that last one a minute. When my son was about 15 years old, he's 35 now, but when he was about 15 years old, he fell in love with the Los Angeles Lakers. He loved the Lakers then, and he moved to California because Lakers are his favorite team. When he was about 15, he knew that I was crazy about the Bulls because about 15 years ago, the Bulls had something to be crazy about. <laughs> so he said, Dad, the Lakers are in Chicago tonight, and they're playing the Bulls. He said, I got one simple request. Now, my son never asked me for anything. He's such a good kid. He, I raised him. <laughs> he said, Dad, can we sit down together at 7.30 tonight and watch the basketball game? Johnson, I never gave him an answer. He asked again, can we sit down tonight and watch the basketball game? No answer from me. About 5 o'clock that evening, I came home. He was delighted. Oh, Dad, good. You didn't forget the game. I wanted us to watch the game tonight. Now, we're going to watch the game, right? I ain't say nothing. I went upstairs doing some stuff. I came down at about 5.30. He said, Dad, what about the game? I didn't say nothing. I said, uh, look, why don't you make a hospital run with me? He said, the hospital? He said, the game comes on in two hours. I said, I got somebody to see in the hospital. Reluctantly, he went, and we went to the hospital, and we got there about 6.15. And we stayed in that room until about 6.45. Now, he's anxious. He's in the room. He's anxious. I could tell he's fidgeting a little bit. Uh, but I, I still, I ain't say nothing about no basketball. When we left the room at 6.45, he said, now, Dad, it's going to take us about 35 minutes to get home, can we? I ain't say nothing. I said, look, I got another hospital to go to, all right? So we go to another hospital. Now, this time, this kid is a good kid now, but he's mad. <laughs> he's mad. He's standing in the corner, and he's shaking, <laughs> going from side to side. I cut my eye over there. He was spitting bullets. He was spitting bullets. So the matter he got, the longer I decided to pray. I'm praying for a man who was sick and say, Lord, bless this man. Bless his grandkids. Bless his hometown where he came from. Bless all the men and women on his job. I said, how many people, how many people work for you? What's your name? Uh, then I start praying for the nurse, the nurse's staff, the doctors, the doctor's kids. By the time we left, it was 7.15, and he ain't saying nothing to me, nothing. He's spitting, but he's mad. He ain't even making eye contact. He ain't even looking at me. He just, just, he, oh, he was just mad. Now, the first hospital that we went to, 
was the county hospital. County hospital. The second hospital that we went to was a hospital called Presbyterian St. Luke. Around the corner from Presbyterian St. Luke is the United Center. At 7.30, we were sitting in the third row at the game. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes it's a matter of timing. God says not ready yet. And sometimes God's answer is, I got something better than you asked me for. That's why the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. I came to tell you victory. Keep on praying. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and keep on knocking and keep on knocking and keep on knocking and don't stop knocking and don't stop knocking and the door shall be open unto you. Let me read my letter. <laughs> Dear Victory, there's so much noise in this world, a constant stream of voices vying for your attention and your affection. Sometimes there's so many voices that you can forget how special your voice is. You can be led to believe that when you use your voice, it just adds to the growing course of everyone else's problems and complaints. The enemy of your soul, which is the devil, wants to silence you. But I'm here today to remind you of something very important, and that is your voice matters to God, and your prayers are precious to God. Let me say that again. Your prayers are so precious to God. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. He wants all of it. Never, ever let the enemy, your friends, or this world convince you that your prayers don't matter to God. Your prayers do matter to him. So... Go to God. Go to God with whatever you're going through. If you're happy, pray. If you're sad, pray. If you're angry, pray. When you feel hopeless, pray. When you feel like there's no use, pray. If you're on the top of the world, pray. When everything is going wrong or right in your life, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray like your life depends on it. Go to God in the morning, even before you get up out of the bed. When you get to work, pray. When you're reading through emails, when you're in meetings at lunch, on your way home, at dinner time, at nighttime, even while drifting off to sleep, pray. Share with God your dreams and your hopes. 
Share with God your fears and your doubts. Share with God everything because God loves you. He really loves you. And God wants to hear from you. I'll say it again. Ask. He'll respond. Seek. You can find him. Knock. And the door to eternity will be open for you. Always remember, your prayers are precious to God. Sign your friend and your brother, Pastor James Meeks.